Hi, welcome to the Anti-People Pleasing Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Westwood, the Codependency Coach. Each week, I answer your questions on codependency, people-pleasing, and all things relationship-related, submitted to me via Instagram. Follow me on the gram at Joe Westwood to submit your questions in my stories every Monday. You can also click the link in the show notes to take you straight there. First up today, we have this from Jessica. My sister and I kind of fell out over something really petty a couple of years ago. I want to address it, but we do not do conflict in my family. We get along the best we can, but it hurts my mom that things aren't okay between us, really. I'm rubbish at standing up for myself, and my sister is a prickly kind of person. I'm scared to rock the boat, but want us to have a good relationship. We both have kids who hardly see each other. Should I just accept the status quo and hope it's better in the future? Or find a way to be brave and try to make it better now? My sister is very critical of me, which has led in part to my people pleasing. Love the podcast, love hearing you get into the nitty gritty. Thanks, Joe. Well, thank you, Jessica. That is super kind of you. I love answering your questions. And if you would like to write that up into a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, I would be much obliged. And no, I will never stop hustling. Okay, so I checked in with Jessica and she gave me some extra details. The petty incident in question was her kid breaking up some Lego models that her sister's child had made. Lesai, aren't families great? Jessica apologised and offered to rebuild the models and says she doesn't know what her sister wanted, but what she offered obviously wasn't enough because it never got resolved. Then COVID happened, so there was kind of an enforced distance between the two families. Jessica also told me that her mom is very anxious and is upset that her daughters aren't on good terms at the moment. Also, that her sister is very proper and has exacting standards and seems to care deeply about what other people would think of her. This has only gotten worse since she's had children and she often criticises Jessica, which in the past has exacerbated her people-pleasing tendencies. And the ultimate question Jessica had was, what can or should I do to repair this situation? Or do I just have to make peace with the fact that my kids won't be close to their cousins because of this rift? Okay, then. So this is super interesting and a situation that I think loads of our listeners will relate to. Just a heads up, I love to receive your family, work and friendship related questions because relationships don't just happen in the field of romance. Anywhere we have relationships with other people is a place that we can potentially have funky, fucked up connections and interactions. And codependency shows up in all areas of our lives, not just in the realm of dating. One of the things I find particularly interesting about this one is how people's anxiety can make them act. In her longer messages to me, Jessica describes both her mom and her sister as very anxious people, and I can totally see that. We often think this kind of high-pressure, critical behaviour can only come from a place of malicious manipulation. But as you will know, if you are one of my clients or in codependent recovery, that codependent people and people with an anxious attachment style are also very controlling and manipulative. We gain a sense of safety from everything happening just as we need it to on our exact schedule. Think of an anxious mind like a gripping, clenched fist. It holds so tightly to a very prescribed way of being. Those of us with an anxious attachment style will recognise this in romantic relationships as showing up like 
needing a certain amount of text communication from our person in a day, needing that good morning message by a certain time, expecting the relationship to move at a specific speed and certain milestones to be hit without even having discussed them. And this is similar to what's happening here with your family, Jessica. Your sister and mom have set ideas about how things should go, how things should look, how people, you in particular, should be acting. And when you dare to be a human, and especially someone who's started to do some work on healing your people-pleasing and codependent ways, and you therefore deviate from their expectations, you experience the backlash. This is made worse by the culture of your family being one that avoids confrontation or anything that might be perceived as confrontation. Again, very common for anxious people. Something that's really important for us to learn as we start to recover from codependency and switch our attachment style to secure from anxious is that most things that we perceived as confrontation when we were in the depths of our dysfunctional way of being are simply not confrontation at all, or at least they do not need to be. Asking for needs to be met, calmly putting in place boundaries, declining an invitation or wrapping up a short-term connection, negotiating on a way forward together, which might result in agreeing to disagree, giving an honest answer, these things are not confrontational. And I'd like to hone in specifically on one word there, honest. What feelings and images does that bring up for you? If I said, we need to have an honest conversation, Or if I asked you if I could tell you my honest thoughts on something. For a lot of you, I bet it gives you the willies. Because certainly in British culture, where we are not very good at being direct, and passivity is received as politeness and niceness, especially for women, check out episode one for more on that, the word honest has come to mean blunt and tactless. Name one British reality TV show that hasn't had at least one contestant who describes themselves in the introductory video as just dead honest me. I say exactly what I think and I tell it how it is. And we know that we are about to witness someone who is blunt, rude, tactless and loves getting other people's backs up by saying what they want, when they want, however they want, with no consideration for timing, context or feelings. Quite simply, the word honest has become code for careless, harsh, and mean. That that is not what honest means, and it is not what we should be aiming for when we think of communicating our wants, needs, and boundaries clearly. Google's definition of honest is free of deceit, truthful, and sincere. We need to redefine honesty for ourselves as meaning truth with kindness and sincerity, not just being an aggy little gobshite. Side note, I know this misunderstanding of honesty also applies to other cultures around the world, depending on the price of admission of your specific social identity. So when we have this more faithful understanding of honesty, we no longer have to view just speaking the truth of our own experience as a potential confrontation. It's simply presenting our side of any given situation and then allowing the other party to hopefully respond, but perhaps react. Again, This whole process is totally terrifying for an anxious mind on either side of the equation because the anxious mind always wants to be in control. So the idea of walking up to the emotional halfway line and then letting whatever is going to happen on the other side happen without knowing what it will be or being able to change it or trying to change it is not only alien but very nerve-wracking indeed. And this is exactly what I can see happening in the behaviour of your mum and your sister 
it seems like the coping mechanism of needing to control respectively comes out as perfectionism and being outwardly hypercritical for your sister and projecting her own fears and worries onto you and therefore burdening you with the responsibility of fixing this relationship for your mom. The way to deal with this for your own sanity and recovery, which I think you have started to do from what you've told me, is to simply not accept these projections. It's almost like you put a force field around yourself. It's an emotional boundary that these coping mechanisms just bounce off of. Any type of behavior like this in a relationship where you are not enmeshed and physically stuck with them will only work as long as you engage with it. You can only go halfway with your truth and hope that they are willing and able to meet you there. It sounds like, unfortunately, that isn't going to be the case for you, Jessica, especially with your sister. So I think you have two choices here. If it really matters to you that your kids have a relationship with their cousins, you find a way to sweep all of this bullshit of your sisters under the rug and ignore it because it's her shit, not yours. And you decide for the sake of your children's connection with their cousins and your own peace of mind that you're not going to attempt to fix it for her. And if she tries to pull some of that old bullshit on you again, you completely disengage with it. Check out episode six for more on how to use stock phrases and my signature cocked head and half smile to great effect when disengaging from someone else's nonsense and projections. There will be a lot of self-control and grinning and bearing it involved in this option. But again, if it's important enough to you to maintain this connection for your children, it is possible. It's just a case of managing the relationship with your sister. I would advise that if you choose this option, you will need to be mindful of how your relationship with her and your children's relationship with her children. Remember that she is their mother, so her behavior will be impacting on and shaping them too, is going to affect your children. It may be something that you decide you just don't want them to be around because though it's sad for them to lose out on time with their cousins, it may be more damaging for them to be around this hypercritical environment and someone who doesn't treat their mum very kindly. Or, second option, you can accept that you've done everything you can reasonably be expected to do to repair and maintain this relationship and the rest is up to your sister. If she wants to get some therapy and sort her shit out so she's able to come to you respectfully and apologize for her past behavior, yes, I can hear you laughing at how preposterous this perfectly rational and sensible possibility sounds, makes amends and invites you and your family back into the fold, awesome. I'm sure you'd be more than happy to accept that apology and get back on track with her. But until that time comes, you make peace with the fact that you will have a fractured at best, non-existent at worst relationship with your sister. Either choice is a legitimate one and only you can decide which path works best for you and your family. You are also allowed to change your mind. You may try to have some sort of a relationship with your sister with good boundaries and management as I described and then later down the line figure out that it just won't work. That's fine. It's totally allowed you've already done your part. The moral of the story here is that I think the relationships in your family of origin have always been as brittle and easy to break as those Lego models. It was only a matter of time until things came to a head and nothing speeds up that process more than someone stepping out of their preordained and long-held role, in your case being the family shock absorber. 
it doesn't make it any easier to have to deal with. But I hope that this explanation and the options I've laid out at least give you some clarity and a deeper understanding of what's happening in your family dynamic and how to move forward without feeling guilty that you could or should be doing more. And next up, Rosalie asked how to do confrontation with a parent who holds grudges and is argumentative. Hey, Rosalie, great name, by the way. That's one of my favorite Thin Lizzy songs right there. So in my answer to the last question, I've just given you a masterclass on confrontation. I hope that's given you a helpful reframing to start with. I'd be interested to know what you want or need to confront your parent about whether you do actually need to confront them, or if their defensiveness turns everything, even the simplest of conversations or requests, into a confrontation. Perhaps you're talking about confronting them about things that have happened in the past, which some people feel the need to do with their dysfunctional parents. Honestly, this isn't often met with the willingness to apologise or change that we might hope for, so if this is what you're talking about, that's fine. That's totally your right to bring up anything that happened to you, but you must go into a situation like that with your eyes open and not expecting a Hollywood movie-style moment of awakening and remorse. If we're just talking about how to run an everyday relationship with a dysfunctional parent who makes everything way more tense and fraught than it needs to be, here's what I would suggest. Similarly to Jessica in the first question, I think this relationship is going to be about management for you. Deciding what level of relationship you want and need to have with your parent and then putting in place the appropriate structures and boundaries to facilitate that. It might include avoiding certain topics of conversation or getting adept at moving on quickly when things get heated and it seems like an argument is brewing. It will definitely include opting out of drama and not taking their bait. Harder to do in practice than it is to preach on a podcast, I know, but what does make it easier is seeing through how futile the whole charade is. It's just a toddler-level demand for attention. It's a game. It only works as long as you agree to play it. If you can find a way to steal yourself and emotionally disconnect from their provocations, you may find that in time their attempts at arguing get less as you train them that you won't play their game. Likewise, you won't be engaging in their grudges, not acknowledging or participating in the silly ass-backwards ways they will inevitably find to hold on to minor, exaggerated, or just completely fabricated injustices. It could be that you need to put strict parameters on how much time you spend with them and how you spend that time. Do you need some backup, a sibling, partner, or friend to be there as a buffer? Do you need to meet in a neutral location rather than one of your homes? And how about some boundaries around the level and type of contact and communication? A prearranged weekly phone call is a strategy that has worked for some of my clients. Or maybe text only is preferable. Maybe you need to clearly communicate to them that you'll only be able to respond outside of work time and you have a busy life, so you won't be able to go back and forth with them for hours. With all these types of boundaries, they will take practice, repetition and commitment. You will likely be met with some backlash at first as you start to consciously shift the dynamic away from the one that your parent has set up and perpetuated to something healthier and more reasonable that works better for you. There are myriad ways, if you want to maintain this relationship, to make it work on your terms. You just have to figure out what those are. And if that all sounds like a lot of work, that's because it is. That's why I said at the top that you need to decide how much of a relationship you want and need to have with your parent. Just the same as my advice to Jessica, it's also okay to change your mind. 
It's okay to try having a more managed and boundaried relationship and then decide that the boundaries need to shift or that you'll be withdrawing access from this parent if it's just too much to bear. Always remember all adults, including your family of origin, yes, including your parents, continually earn their place in your life by the way that they treat you. They are not entitled to your time, energy and emotion based on shared genetic material, culture, religion or whatever dysfunctional sense of obligation and duty they tried to instill in you. And now this from Kaylee who asked, why is it whenever I start to like a guy, I fixate on what he's doing? I hate acting for men. Hey Kaylee, welcome to the patriarchy my love. Okay, you know we don't do meme level advice here on this podcast, but also it is kind of true. Particularly for women and female socialized non-binary and trans people, we are subject to the effects of a patriarchal and misogynistic society from the moment we are born. Even if we live in a relatively liberal part of the world, our whole society for hundreds of years has been based on male supremacy. In the show notes, I've linked to a report by the Fawcett Society on 150 years of women's rights and gender equality, which picks out some important milestones in British and therefore predominantly white because racism, women's history between 1866 and 2016. You know, in case you'd like to read about how in 1971, fathers spent an average of 15 minutes per day caring for their children and rape in marriage wasn't made a crime until 1994, amongst other fascinating facts and statistics about what life as a woman has been like. Yes, things have generally improved for us in richer, more liberal parts of the world, and yet they're still not perfect. And we were still raised by women who had it worse than us, and they were raised by women who had it much worse than them. Laws get passed on a certain day and time, but culture takes time to catch up. So when we are born and the world decides that we are a girl, we carry the weight of that burden that tells us we must act in a certain way based on the heteronormative ideals of the patriarchy that we live in. Then add in the interpersonal dysfunction that we may experience growing up, depending on our family of origin's own special concoction of unresolved traumas, emotional unavailability, poor communication skills, and fucked up coping mechanisms, which can push us into developing codependency and or an anxious attachment style. And it starts to become perfectly obvious why you would try to shape and mould yourself to act for or please men. As codependent people, we have been taught to believe that our worthiness comes from doing and not being. And for many of us, our escape from our family of origin or the first real class A source of validation that we get independently of our parents is our first romantic relationship, often in our formative teenage years or early 20s when our brains are still developing. And when we are brought up to be codependent and base our sense of worth in what we can do for other people and not who we fundamentally are, we never fully develop our own sense of identity. So we seek that in others. He's into acid house. Yeah, I could be too. He likes me to dress a certain way. What the hell, it's just clothes. He has these ideas about how a relationship should work. Okay, I guess I'll just get into that slipstream because I never even got the chance to think about how I would like things to go and I'm just glad that someone wants me. When it's laid out like this, I think it becomes clear why this pattern is so familiar to so many of us. And yes, I've been speaking in gendered terms here, but the patriarchal misogynistic bullshit is internalized, so it works across the spectrum of gender and sexual orientation. 
What I'm saying is that you can be codependent and gay by pan, ace, MB, trans, and or any combination of the above. Sorry to my queer babies, but for once, the cishets just had to share the unhealthy, enmeshed, dysfunctional love. So now you know why. What's the antidote? Resistance, of course. And that starts at home with spending some quality time figuring out who you are and how you want to spend your time and energy. I'd also suggest some time off of dating while you do this so you can really focus on yourself without external distractions. Play and experiment with who you want to be and develop your sense of identity outside of anyone else's expectations. Create a life that you love so much that you are only willing to share it with someone fucking fantastic. Someone who wants you for exactly who you are, exactly as you come, and doesn't expect or ask you to change or morph into something that looks more like their preference. When you live a fulfilling and interesting life that's lived primarily for you, on your terms, not only does it feel fucking amazing, it's much harder to fixate on a man. Ironically, it also makes you a wildly attractive person not only to potential romantic partners, but to friends and all kinds of amazing opportunities. So it's time for some serious you time, my lovely. I go in depth on how to develop your sense of identity, build up your self-worth and validate yourself in my codependency recovery course, Lovingly Fierce, which is part of my online membership community, Wildly Worthy. Check the show notes for the link for more information on that. And speaking of wildly worthy, it's that time in the show where I remind you that for just £44 a month, you can get access to weekly 90-minute coaching calls with me, as well as my full online codependency recovery course and a community of people who are all on this recovery journey with you. So that means a totally supportive, judgment-free zone. Wildly worthy is open to all women and female socialized non-binary people. Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Anti-People Pleasing Podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe to, or follow the pod. It helps more people to find us and join the movement to have healthier, more fulfilling relationships. Yes, I can hear you laughing at how preposterous this perfectly sensible and rationable fuck. It's not rationable for fuck's sake. Supposedly, it's not rational. (laughs) Yes, I can hear you laughing at how preposterous this perfectly sensible and rational fuck. I can't say it. sensible and rational rational possibility sensible and rational possibility sensible and rational possibility (laughs) guys i search the internet for alternative words for you so i do not keep repeating the same word and this is what happens this is the payback i get fucking tongue twisters at 8 a.m oh
yes, I can hear you laughing at how preposterous this perfectly sensible and rational possible <laughs> gets me every time. Maybe I'll switch it around. Rational and sensible. 